Welcome back to the Green Rush Live. I'm Doug Miller with my co-host Josh Kincaid, and we have a special guest for this half hour. His name is Jay Fagerstrom, and he is from VRX Labs. Jay, thank you very much for taking this Friday afternoon to join us. And uh, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about VRX Labs. So uh, VRX Labs is a cannabis compliant lab in California, Long Beach specifically. Um, we've been in business a couple of years. Um, it's a full compliant lab, full testing. Um, and just now we're going through our ISO recertification this next week. And we are hitting the market again. We understand that there's a lot of opportunity. Um, we are from the industry, working in the industry, we are not corporate people and we are looking to get back to the grassroots, raise the level of optimism and compliant cannabis and move on. Approximately how many products do you sample or get into sample per day? Um, on average, we're looking at 10 to 20 samples per day um, and we run about 25 days a month. Okay. And you're in, are you in California? Is that right? Yes, sir. Long Beach, California. And how, how far out do those products come from? Um, we are generally within about a 50 mile radius. Um, mostly we serve service industry within about 25 miles. We have enough compliant cannabis in that area to, to suffice us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we have our other guest, Sam, just joined us from uh, Point Labs. Sam, welcome to the show. And uh, that's Jay Hey, thank Fagerstrom. you so much for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Tell us a little bit about On Point Labs, and then we'll continue back with Jay, and we'll have a great conversation about labs. Absolutely, yeah. So On Point Labs is a 10,000-square-foot uh, facility in a place called Snowflake, Arizona, where about three and a half hours north and east of where Super Bowl 57 was robbed from the Philadelphia Eagles just this last weekend. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, that's where we're at. And we're there because that's where a lot of the agricultural center of the state is, particularly in terms of cannabis, but for a variety of different products as well. So Jay, getting back to you, um, what are some of the issues that you see coming in with the products that you're testing? Is it mold? Is it um, heavy metals, what, what are the main issues? Depending on the products, the flour is mostly been the mold. Um, in the, uh, and some shopping, not really a bunch right now. I mean, a lot of the, the market in California has gotten on top of this. Their R&D is in front of a lot of the testing before compliance. And they're meeting the standards before they're even putting it in the COA. It's not a guessing game. How about you, Sam? What are some of the uh, issues you see on the on the flour and other products? You know, I think there are quite a few uh, issues, but I think since we're all lab folks on this call, I can maybe say with some level of safety that um, maybe a, a, a lack of honesty from the producers in terms of where they may be failing and where they may be seeking help. Um, because I think one of the things, and this isn't about the producers or the qualities that they necessarily have themselves, but, you know, we have a team of 50 folks up there and you know 
two of them have PhDs, many of them have advanced chemistry degrees, most of them have experience in controlled environment agriculture. Um, you know, like we can be a resource, but in so many of the markets that we operate, we're only seen as compliance. And I think that that's a real limiting thing. So I kind of went global with your question there, but I think that that's one of the issues that I, I see is not necessarily with, with product quality, but really just like a, a lack of trust that we can be more than just this provider of a checked box before you go sell your product. All right, fellas, I'm, I'm taking a mental uh, survey here. Um, keep in note, I like Doug's question about what cultivars or, or strains are you seeing the most infection and the most resilient? Go ahead, Jay. Do you have any um, strains I, that you're seeing consistently? Like you know, you're not seeing anything from no, and then I another strain? I wouldn't be able to answer that question, to be frank with you, because I'm not seeing that kind of overview on strains. Um, uh, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start. I'd just be guessing. We have okay. a consistency on that. We're not uh, compare and contrast like that in our lab. Um, I wouldn't know how to answer that. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh -huh. Sam, are you seeing anything? Oh, you're muted. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, I am. I just had technical difficulties getting off a of mute there. Sorry. Um, yeah, you know, I, and this isn't, we haven't yet done, um, you know, an elongated, uh, study on this or anything, but just recently with the customer, we were trying to look at, some of the the trend lines that we saw in some aspergillus results and what we realized was there, there were a lot of um uh derivatives of of grape strains that were really having some issues right so if there was you know um a a, a grape pie or you know a a, 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 a you know th those types of cultivars were really having some trouble and i don't know if it was that cultivar you know just for this producer or if maybe there's some genetic reality with you know the the original crosses that came from that uh kind of down down the line but uh that that was kind of a a, a hot hub um uh that, that just is top of mind right there josh thank you what kind of issues were you seeing with that product Oh, it was, we were looking specifically at aspergillus and oh, mold. Okay. So, um, I, and I, I'm sorry, Jay, uh, that I don't know all of the markets that you're in, but we, we focus in Arizona and in the Arizona regulated market, we have a, a, a zero tolerance. So if there's, if, if there's any detection, um, it's a failed sample. So we have quite a few customers that are really kind of geared into seeing what trends they can find, whether it's a particular room, maybe a side of a building. Um, and maybe one thing I should say that is um, natural for me, but not, might not be for other folks across the country, about 95% of the flower that we see in the market is grown either indoor or in a heavily controlled greenhouse. We have very little outdoor flower in Arizona. So um, that so when we're talking about the cultivars, it isn't just the, the cultivar, but perhaps the in, environment in which it's also cultivated. Um, uh, and, and we see some different trends in, in that work as well. Let's do the heat, Sam. Is that the not necessarily a preference in growing techniques, but a requirement due to the the area? Yes, yeah, I would say that, um, you know, e even in the areas that aren't extreme, uh, it still can get in the, you know, mid to high 90s as a daytime temperature, right in, you know, that that kind of 
uh, beautiful season for outdoor growing. So we just, we, we there, you know, the, I should say you can definitely grow cannabis, right? But it, it, it isn't necessarily ones that consumers might want to, to, to see on a shelf and pay $70 an eighth for. Yeah. I want to ask a question about legalization. Maybe Doug can ring me in back after that, but wondering how you guys are, are looking at uh, labs as a, a regulatory approach. You know, you've got um, Biden wanting to do some research and see if, uh, you know, patent 6630507 exists and what research Nixon did 40 years ago, whatever, you know. Um, I'm just curious if you guys are seeing lab testing as to support that scientific research and some potential implications on what medical and therapeutic applications could be to speed that up. Jay, do you want to go first? No, sir. That see, once again, that would I, I have to apologize that I'm I'm not in a position to answer that. The what we're seeing a lot of on the, you know, I'm on the business side of it. And on the science part, we're seeing R and D to pre-test the material before they go into their compliant testing, but we're in a controlled environment that's been running since just past 96 legally. So they've worked out a lot of the issues as far as that is. So uh, as far as the science and trying to expand on the information and the research we have, we're not getting that at all here. Mm. Outside of just consumer safety and general practices, you talked about ISO and that kind of general normalization and certification process, and just kind of giving them peace of mind, I guess. Yes, and the, the state requires that, and it gives us a, it helps our accreditation on that. Um, we're fighting a lot of the lab, you know, lab shopping and what have you, and you know, being from the industry, we came from the grower side. And it ended up in a lab. And I, ironically, we're allowing the science to, to speak for itself. And we're the bridge between the people that are coming in that we're having a hard communication with the scientists. Mm -hmm. And so we can talk to the scientists and then go back to our clients. And that's kind of the bridge that we are now. And that's what we're seeing the trend is for us is there the communication between the, the labs and the producers was... It, it, it set the table for a lot of oddness in the shopping and the communication between the labs and the cultivators, the manufacturers. You see that, that too, Sam? Yeah, yeah. To, to piggyback on that, I mean, I think that what one of the things that we see here in Arizona that's similar to Jay's experience is, is that we weren't set up to have that science forward uh, mentality or the science forward ability. Um, uh, and, and by we, I mean uh, compliance uh, testing generally in the cannabis space, right? Like we were, we were just a part of the Frankenstein of the rulemaking you know, world where like, hey, you know what's a real priority? Let's make sure that we stop sending people to prison for this. Okay, then we should probably figure out some licensing strategy and, you know, oh crap, we got to figure out how to make sure that consumers are safe. So really in, in the grand scheme of things, while we are labs and while I am proud to say that, you know, we're a biomedical research facility every time I get to choose an industry, you know, um, on LinkedIn or whatnot. I mean, the reality is, is that we are, we are a stop along the, the production schedule 
for a producer, whether it's a cultivator or a manufacturer, we are a box to check. Um, and whether or not my colleagues across the lab space embrace that or acknowledge that or understand that is usually some type of indication of how successful they are in a market. Right. You can be a PhD microbiologist and have, you know, peer reviewed journal papers in a variety of different publications, but it doesn't mean that Terrasen wants to test their, you know, newest crop with you or, you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. So I think your question is a really good one, Josh, but the the fresh the, the frustration for a lot of us in the lab space is we weren't given the ability to focus on the things that science should allow us to focus on. We are, we are the equivalent of a dry cleaner. Um, you know, you, you can't go and present your case in front of the judge unless your suit's clean and you can't bring your product to, you know, the Cure Leaf store or the True Leaf store, or the, you know, the Zen Leaf store unless you have the COA in hand. Um, and the, so we are just a byproduct in many re, uh, ways of, of, of the regulatory uh, regimes that we're a part of. No, I think that's just a brilliant uh, response. It's, it's so true just how everyone's thrown in in the mix without any kind of SOPs to begin with. You had to create it. You had to figure it out. You had to spend the money on trial and error. And there wasn't any kind of foresight to say, maybe we should extract some of this and look at it from a bigger you know, fundamental level. Um, so I just think the reality of it is so raw and real uh, that it was just perfect. So Jay, uh, perfect storm for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask Jay in California, I'm just going to, you were kind of saying about the COA are a lot of the growers and everybody testing their product before they even take it to the labs to get tested, like for their final, are they doing COAs prior to we, getting uh, the final COAs? Brands are, they're doing the research and development and, and working on that because we're constantly making a better product and if we understand if we can get the yields larger they can get the yields larger they're meeting the standards they have a consistent product i mean the, the thing they're battling is consistency and then once they get it down you know the, the environment changes something changes and or the regulations change and they have to be able to meet that and so getting in front of it with the research and design knowing that they're going to pass the coas means that they don't tie their commodities up with the state it's, it's an interesting point i mean it's uh the regulations are just so crazy it's here we're talking about testing and safety for people that use cannabis and yet everybody has to like run around different circles to get around everything and it's like is it really like are we really doing the right thing like do you guys honestly think that we're testing for the right reasons and for the right things i mean i know toxins and them heavy metals and that sort of thing do you think we should be testing for other things as well like other hazardous materials and uh what do you feel about the testing industry yeah so i mean i think you know you asked two questions there that sounded like they were the same but they actually have an important distinction and that you know are, are, are we testing for the right reasons i think yes Right. We, we, we want to make sure that as the consumer, you can have a, a, a general and a base level of expectation that what you see as part of the label claim is actually what you see, um, you know, in, in uh, on the shelf. But if we're testing, the question is, are, are we testing for the right things? I think that is a is an entirely different set of answers, um, largely because, you know, 
necessity is the mother of invention, right? It's like a, you know, what, what you know, everyone knows that, right? But um, right now, even, you know, for trim, you can get a pound on the wholesale market here in Arizona for about maybe, you know, 250 to $300 for, for a pound of trim of regulated cannabis. Hemp, you can get for, you know, maybe a couple of bucks, <laughs> you know, like maybe just the change, the, the change I can find in my couch. And, you know, scientists and, and you know, armchair uh, uh, chemists, if you will, are figuring out that if you have the right mix of battery acid and AC refrigerant and under the right heat and temperature, you can, you can actually synthesize the minuscule amounts of Delta-8 or Delta-9 in a hemp crop to actually turn it into a passable distillate. And that is actually crashing the market from a price comparison standpoint, well, what we're not talking about is because of the way that those processes are rapidly developing and reverting to things that we've outlawed in other industries decades ago, we aren't testing for those things anymore. I don't have R134A on my list of solvents that I have to test for. So someone can literally use the Freon that you have in any one of your cars to, you know, uh, synthesize hemp into something that you're going to be seeing in a cartridge or in a package on the shelf of a dispensary and every analyte that we test for says that it's safe but we don't tell you that there's vitamin E acetate in it or not r134a any any number of these things right so i don't usually make a habit of quoting donald rumsfeld but you know when he talks about the known unknowns or the unknown unknowns like that that's what we're dealing with here and i think that you know in other industries such as like you know the the pharmaceutical industry you don't have to give your secret sauce but you not only have to test your final product but you also have to test your byproduct and make sure that both are safe and, and as a part of your finished pharmaceutical great so you know we have stuff that's coming out looking like antifreeze um and in, in best case scenario clean antifreeze not used antifreeze right but either one i don't want to see as a part of something that i'm putting into my lungs one way or the other right mm -hmm. um and and that's just my lungs some people are using that distillate for edibles right so you know like and and we see these stories even with well-regulated industries like the candy industry that are finding dangerous levels of lead and cadmium and other you know places in, in like high quality gourmet chocolates you know what what aren't we seeing because we're not testing for them and i think that those questions really are never going to happen until the federal government sees us as an industry worthy of that level of respect um, and I think that's like, those are all tied together for me. And uh, as you can tell, I can go on and on about this. So I'm going to take a pause here and see, see uh, um, uh, if I'm on track or not. No, I love the passion, Sam. You're, you're clearly passionate about what you do and I love it. And uh, Jay, how do you feel about that in the whole industry and the testing? Well, the, you know, prior to testing, more unicorns have died than people smoking marijuana. So once we got regulated, then the testing and people were harmed. For the most part, people that produce marijuana took pride in it and they didn't want to hurt people. It was something they were sharing. We've lost that with the commercial thing. So we have to have the regulation. We have to have the testing. We have to have the knowledge. But the way that the table has been set in California is that the 
regulations supersede reality, whereas we want to put a safe product out. The people growing it and manufacturing want to put a safe product out. We want to be able to be competitive financially. But the, the, between the regulations and the people not having the microbiologists get involved and say, hey, this is what's happening. This is how we need to consistently change. We need to hear back from the labs. We need to hear back from the outside producers. Um, it's, it's going to consistently change. It's a pioneering business, so we have to flex with it. But there's a lot of flaws in it. And it's being run by people that took a job, didn't necessarily want the job. It's, it's matured a little bit, but we're still you know, brand new trying to find people that want to be in this industry. And as you said, until the feds get involved, we're, you know, we're just seen as a stepbrother. It doesn't really have, you know, any teeth. Do you guys have any advice or, or final words on what consumers can do uh, or how consumers can use testing to make more informed decisions uh, on certain products? Yeah, I mean, I think my, my first thing, and I, and I know that I'm not, I'm, I'm by far the first person to bring this up, but um, I'm, I'm proud of uh, uh, my, my training and my certification as a Gangier. Um, it's a great program out of Northern California, kind of connection to, to what matters in terms of the analysis of, of, of high quality craft cannabis. And I think that consumers should always ask for the terpene profile testing potency is not um, any realistic gauge of quality. Um, I, I, I uh, tend to drink a lot less nowadays, but um, you know, I never went to a bar and said, give me your highest potent, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, liquor, you know, and, and just take a shot at Everclear just to get wildly drunk out of my mind, right? Like there's, you want that journey, you want that symphonic expression of what the whole plant has to offer. So, you know, the, the and maybe I'm speaking just from an Arizona focused perspective, but um, most of our consumers, when they hear testing, what they're asking for is the potency. Um, and I think that if we can divorce those two things, um, we'd, be, we'd go a really, really long way. I mean, some of my favorite cultivars routinely hit in the 15 to 17% THC range, but they're at that four and a half to five and a half terps. And they're just like, you know, you know, knocks you back on your ass, you know, like th those kinds of things are, 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 are what consumers should be, if I can be normative in my response here, that should be what, what matters. And I understand that some people pick up a, a bottle of two buck chuck because it's what's affordable and it gets the job done. But, you know, having a really, really nice, you know, properly aged Nebbiolo from, you know, the, the right region and the right vintage, that, that matters, right? So how are we going to get to that level with cannabis? And you start by asking for the terpenes, not for the potency. I agree hundred percent. Do you guys think that some of the labs are falsifying the potency tests just because of obviously if there are higher potencies and you can sell more product and if you can give a grower or producer higher potencies all the time, they're going to generally do better just because of what you're saying. Most consumers go in and ask for the highest THC percentage, which obviously yeah. isn't the correct thing to do. 
I, I, I don't disagree at all, Doug. And I think that, you know, I'm not trying to bring uh, uh, a religion or spirituality to it, but I, I think, uh, you know, that um, uh, the, the, there's this line that always sticks for me from uh, Modest Yahoo, right? The, uh, uh, but, but a real, like, like long-standing ancient Hasidic truth that the handle of the ax comes from the forest itself, right? So whether or not labs are falsifying uh, potency numbers, I think the real question is, you know, why? Right. Like like the, the producers are very aggressive and they're aggressive because the consumer is aggressive. Right. So we live in this really kind of toxic cycle that 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 is potency first and potency only in some really damaging ways. So I don't know who stands up and puts a stop to it, but um, I think that, that the reason why labs have been at the center of it is they're the one producing the results. But, you know, there's been one. Uh, case recently from a producer out of California that's in some other markets as well that got nabbed as the producer seeking those high numbers. And I think that that may be the first of quite a few of those types of subtle shifts on the conversation, but a really important one, right? Like, you know, we're, we're a cog in the wheel. It's just one of the points that I was sharing earlier, right? So we, we only exist because our customers do. So, you know, the, the question really is, is, who is falsifying what, I think is maybe one, one question that I would throw back out there. No, that's a great explanation. I really appreciate it. I appreciate both your times. Uh, Jay Fagerstrom from VRX Labs and Sam, Sam Richard. I didn't even get your last name before. And from On Point Labs, you guys were both actually on point today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for enlightening our our viewers about testing and the process and you uh gave a lot of i thought educational information and i really appreciate it josh you have anything to end with i don't no all right well i'm gonna wrap this uh this part up because i think that was great and uh we're gonna go ahead take a break we'll be back everybody enjoy your little smoke break and we'll see you for the last half hour again jay sam thank you so much we appreciate it yeah and we'll see with that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we break, break it all down. down.